Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom and the things they've learned along the way. Jilly Flaherty is an English footballer who plays for the West Ham United women's team where she is currently captain and was recently voted player of the year by her teammates. An England international, she joined West Ham United ladies on the back of four years with Chelsea Football Club women, during which time the centre-back secured two FA Women's Super League Championships and two Women's FA Cups. In total, Gilly has won no fewer than 22 pieces of silverware in her illustrious career so far. Gilly also has nine England caps to her name, having made her Lionesses bow in a fixture with China in October 2015. Outside of football, Gilly has ventured into the world of business, having very recently opened up the Cryo Lounge in Kent, one of only four cryo centres in the south of England, using this ever more popular growing form of treatment. Already she's been working with teams, athletes and even superstar boxers. I know lots about you, Jilly. It's great to have you on the Sandro Forte podcast. Thank you for joining us because I know how busy you are, especially this time of year. No, thank you for having me on. Um, it's lovely to speak to you. I have to ask you, with a name like Flaherty, uh, you don't sound very Irish. <laughs> no. Um, so basically, it's my um, my Irish comes from my fla- uh, my father's side. Um, so it's my great nan. Um, and my nan and that who was born over there. So I've got the Irish surname, which I'm very, very proud of. Um, but I'm um South East London, born and bred. <laughs> it's great. I've got I've got this uh this terrible family name legacy as well, where people think they're going to meet somebody who's six foot two, dark and extremely handsome, and then they meet me and you can see the crushing look of disappointment on their face. <laughs> so I have to ask you, how did you get involved in football, Jilly? I mean, all those years ago when you were a young girl, how did it all start? Yeah, so basically I, I was always very sporty um, when I was young. I was very much into everything and anything. Um, and I remember that I was sitting watching football one day with my dad on the telly. And I remember I was sitting on the floor and I turned around to him and I just said, Dad, I... I want to learn how to play football. Um, my dad watched it all the time and I knew that he'd he'd played football when he was younger. Um, so I sort of knew a little bit about it. And then he said to me, listen, if I'm going to teach you anything, I want to know that you're sort of serious with it. So he told me that he would not teach me anything um, until I learned to hold the ball on my foot, on my right foot. So I went and done it. It took me about three weeks to do it. Every night after school, I was out there practicing and then, I finally managed to learn to do it on my right foot, come in and he said, right now, let me see how serious you are, go and learn it on your left foot. Um, so that's the only skill I actually hold, um, is holding the ball on my right and left foot. Um, and then it went from there, really. Pretty pretty important for centre-back, I guess, though. So- yeah, just in case I fancy running out of the box <laughs> with the ball at my on my foot, you know. <laughs> so we, your dad obviously was a very uh, important part of your love of football in the early days is there anything yeah, yeah. any other influences in your in your career so far um oh so yeah so my dad's been my biggest influence um he's he's got four daughters and I think he was uh 
thought that the opportunity had gone for him to have someone following his footsteps um, and then along I come. And um, yeah, I mean, he's been my biggest influence. He took me to every single training session when I was younger, sometimes four times a week in the evenings. And then he's even his old job and that was based around my football and my training. Um, So yeah, so he's been my biggest influence growing up um, in regards to obviously football players that I looked up to. Um, Obviously, the women's football was around when I was growing up, but it wasn't like it is now. So mm. it was more the likes of John Terry that I would look towards, Rio Ferdinand. Um, they're probably two of the main centre-backs that I used to watch when I was growing up. So we're on the we're on the eve of the Women's World Cup uh, taking place in France this summer. How do you think this World Cup, Jilly, given what you've just said, will be different from previous ones, particularly given the extraordinary rise in the popularity of the women's game? Yeah, I think this will be the biggest one yet. Um, I think the the quality um, will be much better than what it was four years ago. I think when you're watching it four years ago, it was sort of the the newer teams coming into it were more just trying to keep the scores down for as long as possible um, and, and trying to keep score lines as small as possible. Whereas with now, I think those teams, um, you're talking about the likes of like Nigeria, uh, Cameroon, Argentina, New Zealand, they're, they're actually fighting for it now. Um, and they're, they're so much better in regards to quality. So I think this will be the closest World Cup we've seen. Um, but I think it'll be the most exciting and I think it'll be the one, yeah, which shows the most quality, definitely. You going for going for England? Yeah, I think, obviously, I'm, I'm very loyal in that sense <laughs> that I'm English, so yeah. But I think um, Germany... Uh, Germany, France and USA um, will obviously be the three of the favourites too. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I like the, the likes of Norway as well. I think they're very well organised. Um, so yeah, so I don't think, I think this is going to be the hardest one yet for a team to win. Mm. I, I heard a, a, a debate the other day, Gillian, I'd quite like your view on this. I don't want to be too kind of politically incorrect or, or controversial, but they were talking about, uh, somebody had made a suggestion that in the women's game, because I want to just talk a little bit about your views and whether you think there's still any kind of prejudice in relation to female players in the game. They were talking about, yeah. you know, introducing smaller goals because goalkeepers make more mistakes or smaller pitches because women aren't you know, physically equipped in the same way that men are, for example. I, what's your view on that? Does it does the game need to change to accommodate women? Because it seems to me that women are moving inexorably towards the standards that men have set over many years. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the first thing that I think of when this, obviously, discussion was brought about was I was just, I was thinking, well, what would we do on our pitch then? Because we share our pitch. So... How are you gonna? We're gonna keep repainting the lines, and you're gonna have to take the goal out and put another goal. Do you know what I mean? Little things like that. I think that might be practical for us because our budget might suit that. But for teams lower down where they haven't got that budget, how are you possibly gonna change the size of a goal on the day of a game? Mm. Um, so that's what I think. And I, I just think, do you know what? I don't think the the size of the pitch. Um, I think we we train we train to that size now. So. The size of the pitch, I don't really think, makes a difference for us mm. um, because we've been planning on that. I've been planning on that size of the pitch since I was like under 14s. I played on senior pitches. Um, so for me, that's like 14, 15 years of playing on, on that pitch anyway. Um, so I can understand where people have come about it, saying smaller goals will help the goalkeepers because they're not as tall. But then 
there was another argument to say, well, if you got better quality training for the goalkeepers and better quality coaching, then the goalkeepers wouldn't struggle as much. Mm. So it's sort of like, well, where would you rather have that money invested into the football side of it as in the sense of the coaching? Would you rather have better quality coaches coaching the women? Um, or would you rather spend that money in changing the goals every game for every like every time you play a game? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a hard one really, and it's going to be it's going to be a, a thing which is based on opinions really. Yeah. Do you talking about training? Do you you enjoy that part of the process? Do you or you, you somebody that loves to just run out on the pitch and kick a ball around? Yeah. So when I mean when I was younger, I was very much they used to always say you get them players that love love training and, and are very much training players and then they don't really show much in the game or you get the players that tend to be more they 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 train they train well but they enjoy games and for me mm. I prefer playing games and I do training. Um but I like it when training's training's fun. I like I like enjoying my football. So as much as obviously I understand training's got to be serious and you know, obviously that's where your work gets done. I, I like playing with a smile. Um, uh, I think I've I've had a coach before that's worked with me and he said, Jilly, you're the only person to I've ever met that when they're doing one v one defending, you smile the whole way through it. Um, so I, I just really, I really enjoy playing football. I do, but I really enjoy it when it's fun and that, um, yeah, I just feel like I, I'm getting a lot out of it. Well, you probably smile, Jilly, because you're better than most centre forwards. So uh, that that might have oh, something to do. I'll with let it. you say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are you are very talented. Anyone who's seen you play knows that that to be the case. What what would you say to people who haven't really given the women's game a go to encourage them to come to a game or turn on the World Cup this summer on the TV? Because obviously it's become a big TV thing now, hasn't it? The women's game. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard because I I saw a tweet the other day of of a man literally slaughtering the women's game and. My response was was that I, I pray to God that you don't have sisters, daughters, nieces that want to play the game with that attitude. Because <laughs> how can you you slaughter something where in in five, ten years' time, someone who you love so dearly could turn to you and go, I want to get into football. How do I go about it? And it's like, we're no different. Yes, it's, it's, the, it's the same sport as in we play the same games, but... You, you don't compare Serena Williams to Andy Murray, for example. It's that they're, they're even though they play the same game, it's separate because women's football is different to men's football. Of course, we will never beat the men in the game because physically they're going to be stronger, they're going to be quicker than us, and technically they should be better than us. Do you know what I mean? So it's sort of like the the argument of oh, I hear it all the time. Well, it's like Sunday league football or. Yeah, you'd never beat the men in a game, but that ain't what we're trying to achieve. We're not we're not trying to compete the men in a in a football game. Um, all we're trying to do is do something that we love, and we shouldn't be discriminated for it. We we can be footballers. We can be just as good as as what we cap as we want to be, really, because we've got more dedication. We've got more commitment in it. Because a lot of the, a lot of women footballers play for much less money than their counterparts. Mm. but they do it out of the love for the game. There's there's teams in that World Cup who have had to fight to even get like finances on a daily basis or just to even be at that World Cup. But them players will play their heart out for their countries because it means so much to them. Um, 
So for me, it'd be come go down and support support your local women's team. Like it, yeah, it might not be the standard that you watch when you watch the the Premier League, for example, or the Championship or Champions League or whatever. But at the end of the day, respect us for what we're doing because we should be allowed to play football. It doesn't matter just that we're a woman. We're like we're a woman. We should still be able to play the game. Mm. And I suspect the idiots who who tweet those stupid things, uh, you probably run rings around people like that. So um, we'll we'll leave him to his in, own insecurities. I, I I love bravo for what you've just said. By the way, I I love the fact that you refer to your enjoyment of the game because I you know I'm I'm 51 nearly, and I remember growing up in the 70s and 80s watching footballers playing for fun primarily. You know, they played for a very good friend of mine, Ron Ron Chop Harris, played for Chelsea, as you know. Um, he wasn't paid, you know, astronomic sums of money. He played because he loved the game. And and I think we've kind of lost our way a little bit when it comes to that. You know, good luck to the players who earn ridiculous amounts of money. But uh, maybe maybe the women's game is a is a a step back to to those days where you see people playing with a smile on face and doing it for all the right reasons. But okay, so I I also want to ask you a little bit about your new business because outside of football, rather unusually for somebody who's still playing, you're highly decorated in the game, Jilly. But you've also opened the Cryo Lounge. So t- first of all, tell us if you don't mind what you know. What is cryotherapy? Because there's a lot of people listening that won't know. Yeah, so basically, cryotherapy is a a modern form of recovery. Um, so. It obviously replaces the the ice bath um, type of recovery, and it's basically you're you're using nitrogen at a very cold level, so probably around about the minus 150 um, zone sort of thing, like temperature. Um, and basically, what it does just it just speeds up your recovery um, a lot more quicker than what it would be in an ice bath, for example. But there's a lot more health benefits to it than just standing in the cold. Um, it'll help with obviously pains, aches, inflammation in your body. Um, it will help muscle recovery a lot more uh, quicker than obviously like your standard ice bath. But it also helps with things like sleep, with energy, with anxiety, with depression. Um, it's just an, it's an overall incredible machine and it's an incredible um, new modern way of recovering. Um, so, yeah, so obviously this in the, my off-season this year, me and my partner decided to rather than go on holiday and put our feet up and relax for two months, um, we decided to chuck ourselves into a business. And it's obviously for me now, as as I'm getting older, I'm thinking more and more about what comes after football. Um, and I'll be completely honest, I, I have my level two coaching badge, but I don't have nothing else qualification-wise. So it's always been something that's in the back of my mind. And I think as the years are going on, I'm getting more and more aware of it. So... With, with, there's only four dissenters in the southeast, including us now. So for me, it was in the area that I live in, there was nothing for us over here. And for me personally, being a, a footballer, I wanted to have access to something like this anyway. Mm. So rather than me putting money into someone else's business and putting it into someone else's pocket, my thought was, well, why can't we open one over this way? So obviously I can benefit from it on a daily basis, but... I can help benefit so many other people. And I think the misconception of it is that you have to be training to benefit from cryotherapy. Like you don't, you you don't have to do a single training session to be able to come in here and reap the benefits from it. Um, so that's sort of what my attitude is towards it. I mean, I've, I've spoke to many footballers um, through my social media and we've had boxers coming here and all different people, gym goers, gym lovers. But for me, 
my market and my area that I want to broaden is is to everybody. I want everybody to be able to introduce cryotherapy into their lives, into their their day to day sort of environment um, and that everybody, regardless of, you could be suffering in pain, you could just be feeling like you need a bit more energy, you just feel like you're a bit sluggish. Um, everybody and anybody but can benefit from cryotherapy. And when you say cold, how cold is cold, Jilly? Right, so it it goes down to about minus 150 um, degrees, but it is cold, it is, but it, a lot <laughs> People think of it and they, they they get an idea that it's like standing in an ice bath for three minutes um, from head to toe, which is not. It's dry, mm. so you don't get wet from it. Um, it's just basically dry air. So what I try and explain to people when they come here is imagine it being on the windiest day when we're lucky enough to have one of the storms in England. Um, imagine standing outside your front door with just your pair of pants on, gloves, socks and slippers. Um, and uh, imagine standing um, like that at a bus stop or something for three minutes. Um, so, and then people sort of laugh and they go, "Oh, okay then." So, once they get in it, um, yeah, they're uh, they're fine with it, and they realise that it's a lot more bearable than what they first think. So, it'd be fair to say a bobble hat and a scarf is probably not enough. No, yeah, <laughs> you, you mean it, yeah. <laughs> That probably would not be enough, no. So why, I mean, why subject yourself? Because this is growing in popularity, isn't it? What, so why is that? I mean, apart from the obvious medicinal benefits, as you've described, is there, I mean, is it, obviously it's proven, right? And and it's becoming yeah. it's becoming popular, but outside of sport, interestingly, as well. Yeah, it's, 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 it's come a lot more um, scientifically proven to have benefits, um, but it's becoming more, like I said, more people are understanding that they don't need to be mm. athletes or professional sports people to benefit from it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're looking at America, for example, there's a lot of um, American celebrities who are getting it in their houses um, because it's, the, the benefits from it are, are incredible. And it's really hard to describe it because everybody's obviously different and everybody experiences different stuff. But once you go in there and you experience it, then you can really understand the people who talk about it and have passion for it. Um, because it's like I say, it says what it does on the tin. Like you get benefits from it. Um, it's, yeah, it's an incredible machine. Mm. Do you find it hard to transition from, I mean, it's it's unusual for a footballer currently playing. I mean, good for you to start to take your badges and you think about possibly coaching but you know it's unusual to come across a footballer who's already in business as it were do you find it hard to transition Jilly from kind of football to business and business to football or you know is it just a, a really good and hopefully profitable way of filling your time yeah I mean I've, I've always said it that through being a footballer like having that as my my day-to-day job I get so much free time around um, when I'm not in training and when I'm not playing games. So for me, it's, I really want to use that time now to build the future and, and build something ready for me when I retire rather than coming to the age of 31, 32 and panicking because there's nothing in place and I've got a mortgage to pay for. Mm. Um, so that's why I've been thinking about it. And I think it's been it's been good because there's times when, for example, I've, I've the whole process, when we first started building the shop, I was still in football. So I've had two months of being able to just do it as a day-to-day job, for example, while I've been off. But before that, 
um, it was probably the most stressful time with solicitors and, and building work and stuff like that and deliveries, etc. So I was still in season then, but it was really nice that when I trained for that hour and a half, two hours, I completely forgot about the shop, um, which was a nice stress relief, really, that I could just switch off from it. Um, but then it was nice then to come away from football if, if at times football was just like stressful as well or we're not getting the results, for example. I could then just switch my business head on sort of thing, come into the shop, and then that gets my full concentration rather than what's going on at football. So it's nice, I think, to to have the mix. And I've always been someone that's really benefited from having something else outside of football because I can't be someone who's football, 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 football because I end up then, it, it takes over my life. So when I come home and I'm with family, if things ain't going well at football, then that's when my, not my anger, but my frustration that is then let out at home, which is not what I wanted. So it's quite nice to really have the balance of it. Mm. Now, I, I introduced you earlier on and we talked about uh, in that introduction your accolades that you've achieved in the game um, through playing with a number of successful clubs. But along that way, it would be fair to say that you've had some pretty tough times. You've already mentioned the word challenge and stress and that's part of the game too. How do you, Jilly, because a lot of people ask us this question, okay, this person's very successful, but surely they have bumps in the road. How do you deal with the low moments because even though you've had a very glittering career uh you know the envy of lots of players 22 pieces of silverware to your name but but all those times along the way where either whether you questioned what you were doing or you had a low moment how do you deal with those those moments in your life in your career i think one of the the most probably famous quotes or the thing that i live by so much is that i can only control the controllables um so for me, like there has been times um, throughout my football career where I, I've not been playing well, for example. Um, I, had a, I had a year where I got into England for for, for someone who didn't probably think... I've, I've always been involved with England in the youth setup, um, but then I got to about 21, 21 years old and then I was told really that I didn't really have a future with England. Um, and then I got the call up again, I think when I was about 25, 26. So... And I never, ever thought I would ever make my England debut, and I did do it. Um, but after that, obviously, then when everything was all rosy, then I had a year of being involved with England, and then I got left out of the Euros. Um, so that was a really tough time because uh, I didn't know what sort of thing I'd done wrong, if that makes sense. But for me, my family have been have always been my rocks, and they've always kept my spirits up, and they're the first ones to tell me if if I'm not playing well or if I can do better but they're also the first ones to put their arms around me and tell me do you know what you've done everything you possibly can so for me it's, it's, it's always saying that as long as I can control what I can do as long as I'm turning up every day earlier than what I need to be in um, setting the standards setting the example giving my everything on the football pitch if if I'm not being picked for whatever reason then as long as I know I'm doing everything I possibly can then I can sleep better at night um, and there was obviously a time last year um, with when I was at Chelsea where I spent three, four months after getting an injury where I couldn't get back into the team. Um, and I remember sitting on the bench at the FA Cup final when at a time when I should have been my most happiest. I was probably, in all honest, honesty, my most saddest in my whole career um, to the point where if someone said to me, listen, Jill, like, 
we can retire today. We can come away from football completely and and it, all of this stress would go. Oh, I was probably at a point where I'd have gone, yeah, okay, I'm going to go. Um, but then it was, well, I've got so many years left to play. I shouldn't be leaving the sport so early. Like, I've still got so much to give. Um, so I knew then I had to make the decision where I could have stayed at Chelsea. Um, I was offered a new contract. But for me, I'm most happiest when I'm playing. And I understand, of course, there's got to be there's got to be a subs bench in, in football. I understand that. But I felt that I could give so much more to a team. And that's why I decided to leave and go to West Ham. And for me, I probably had my most enjoyable and happiest career, uh, sorry, season in my career. Um and I put that down to me making that decision where I, I left my comfort zone and I took that risk of going to West Ham. But it's been the, probably the best risk that I've that I've made and the decision that I've made. So I understand that football is not going to be all rosy and there's going to be ups and downs. But and that, another quote which I live by is, "Don't get too high in the highs and too low in the lows because football's a roller coaster, like it is life, and it can ch- turn at one minute." So on the subject of those uh, the low lights. There's obviously got to be some highlights across that career. So, is there one that stands out, or have you? There must be. There must be a favourite. Must be a moment you look back on, and think, "Gosh, I wish, I wish I could do that every week." Yeah, I'd say recently. I mean, obviously, I've been very lucky to be a part of so many successful teams um, and win quite a lot. But for me, it was walking out of Wembley recently as with West Ham and being the captain. That it's a feeling that oh, it's unreal. Um, my hairs were standing up on, on my arms and on my back of my neck. And I had every single one of my family members there in the crowd, like supporting me. And for me, it was, it meant so much because we've, we've gone through so much as a family. Um, and for them who have been there in my hard times and my tough times, and for me to be able to walk out and know that I was making them so proud by doing it, it was just, it's just a feeling that, Oh, it's like a, a bucket list sort of tick mm. um, that every footballer can ever dream of is playing at Wembley. Um, but for me, I was very fortunate enough that I got to lead out such a great team at Wembley as well. And not every uh, young lady achieves what you have, but you know they might be playing for a number of other reasons just to enjoy the game, for example, or to make a living. But what do you say to um, the young sports men and women trying to make their way in the game that they love. You know, they might not always make it. They may struggle. But what what do you say to those people who um, are embarking on that journey that you've been on, possibly for the first time, maybe doubting themselves, wondering whether they can make a career of it or not, but they, they, they really, really want to, but, you know, maybe they're just coming across the odd challenge roadblock that's kind of stopping them making progress. What, what would you say to those by a few words of wisdom? Yeah, I would just say never give up. Um, I think if you, you set yourself a target and you set yourself a goal, um, listen, along the way, there's going to be hiccups, there's going to be obstacles in the way, things ain't going to turn out how they're meant to. Um, but as long as you can just keep going and, and don't give up. Um, I saw a, someone put up something today basically saying, like, when you're struggling to get to a goal, never change the goal, just change the plan. Um because I think if you if you want something so much, you'll get there. It's just you might have to take a little detour at some points and you might just have to tweak things on your way. But for me, it's just making sure that you put in everything that you possibly can and, and doing the things that people don't see. So whether it be watching clips of your opponent, for example, or going 
out of your way to find information on the player that you're playing against so that you know, come in that situation, you know what foot they are and you know what they like to do when they receive the ball. Little things like that, for me, has been something which I've brought into my game over the last few years. Um, but yeah, I would just say, just make sure that when you come off the training pitch or you come away from the gym and, and off of a game that you know that you can't possibly have given anything more than what you did. And for me, as long as you're doing that, then no one can make a judgment on you and no one can say anything because as long as you're doing everything you possibly can, then that's all anybody can ask of you. Yeah, very well said. And I have to say, probably had more anecdotes from you, Jilly, than we've had from all of our other guests put together. <laughs> yeah. Great. All these, all these quotes that we shall be, uh, we shall be using over and over again. Um, time is, gosh, it's flown by and is almost up. But I do need to ask you a couple more questions, if that's okay. First one yeah. would be, how do we find out more about Jilly Flaherty and all you're doing? So are you... Do you have a presence on social media? And also I'd like to know about the Cryo Lounge. I shall be donning my heavy-duty rubber pants and coming down to see you at some point. But how do we find out about you in terms of yeah, what you're so, doing? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on, me personally, I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Um, so my my name is at, and then it's Julie underscore Flarity. Um, so that's for that. And then in regards to the Cryo Lounge, we're on Instagram and Twitter. Um, as all one word, the Cryo Lounge Kent. Um, so you can find us on there. You can follow us on there. And um, yeah, you'll see everything that we're getting up to. And just to confirm, Jilly with a G, G-I-L-L-Y. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, just to make sure that they're all looking in the right places. So one of the questions we ask all of our guests, Jilly, um, is if you were giving advice now to a younger version of yourself, so um, somebody comes up, just happens to share the same name and says to you, you know, mum or it happens to be your younger sister or whatever and just says, look, I'm I'm looking to go out into the big wide world and I've I've looked up to you all these years and you've got you're worldly wise and you've achieved so much, but just give me some advice in terms of what I can do now to keep myself focused, try and achieve my goals and obviously avoid some of the pitfalls along the way. What would you what kind of a way of summarizing everything we've discussed uh, and thank you for sharing. What would you say to that young lady? For me, it would be don't put all your eggs in one basket um, and make sure that you get qualifications along the way. Um, because for me, I think getting a qualification at 19, 20 is a lot more easier um, and less stressful than trying to get it at 27, 28 um, when there's a lot more stuff going on. So for me, it would be just educate yourself. Um, even for little things like personal development, um, read personal development books and really, really fine tune who you are and, and discover who you are and, and make sure that you're, you're learning and, and being the best that you possibly can be. For me, that would be the, the best piece of advice really that I could give is just to, to know what you want to do. Um, get, keep your, your eyes open and your ears open um, and your mind open really to the, to opportunities that come your way and, just be like a sponge and just try and soak up as much advice along the way from whether it be in football, if you're playing with older professionals and just listen to them and ask advice and, and get to feed off of them for the whole time that you're with them because they've got experiences that, that can teach you so much. Um, so, yeah, for me, just be keep going and, and never give up on your goals. Brilliant. Very well summarised. And Jilly, good luck with hunting down the next 22 trophies in your career. Uh, best of luck with all you're doing at the Cryo Lounge and everything you choose to do in, in later life post-football. Um, it's been a real 
privilege talking to you um, and a fascinating insight into the world, particularly not just football, but women's football in particular. And to see how far that comes has come has been uh, really, really eye-opening. So um, thank you so much for sharing so openly with us today. I know there's lots and lots of people out there that will really appreciate you sharing your words of wisdom. So Jilly Flaherty, thank you so much for joining us on the Sandra Forte podcast. No, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. So that was the Sandro Forte podcast and what an amazing guest Jilly Flaherty was. There are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks. You know the drill. Please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some more great tips on success. And remember, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast. That's Sandro's with an S. People still get it wrong. Same on all channels. And we'd love to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges, whatever motivates you. So please keep those emails coming. Hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, please leave those reviews on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future. Until next week, bye for now.